Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Sadlier's Catechetical Programs, Christ in Us for Kindergarten through 8th Grade, and Cristo en Nosotros, the Spanish bilingual edition for kindergarten through 6th grade. They set the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check them out today at sadlyreligion.com slash CIU and see how their innovative approach is changing the future of catechesis. Today, we're doing something a little different on Chattachesis. Uh, we are chatting with a guest, which is typical, but what's atypical is we're inviting you, the listener, into what is really a brainstorming session. And our guest today for this brainstorming session is Bishop Ed Scharfenberger. He's the Bishop of Albany, New York. And we will be talking or brainstorming together the topic of promoting greater fraternity among the clergy. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome my guest, Bishop Scharfenberger. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure to be with you all. Oh, it's so good to be with you. We seem to run into each other quite a bit through the year. Um, I just saw you at, um, well, I was in Baltimore for the Institute uh, on the catechism, the inaugural meeting of that, and you were there for that plenary session where there was so much going on, a lot of elections and other things. Uh, could you give our audience just sort of a quick takeaway for what about the uh, plenary session? What was sort of the the thing that really kind of stuck out or was inspiring for you or challenging? Well, I, I think we'd all say that uh, all all having had the experience of doing some synodal sessions, you know, in our dioceses and and uh, the, the basically positive uh, feeling we all had going away from, in other words, bringing people together. Mm -hmm. uh, around round tables with the mm -hmm. purpose of trusting in God to help us to listen to one another, mm -hmm. listening to the Holy Spirit working through us. And uh, I think that that experience kind of inspired us to do the same ourselves, among ourselves. So one of the noticeable changes in this particular uh, uh, session, you know, the Bishop's uh, Conference annu annual meeting, this mm -hmm. annual this meeting, was that we sat around round tables. And mm -hmm. uh, instead of, you know, looking somewhat like the United Nations with uh, all the mucky mucks there in the front by the podium and then everybody else sort of sitting uh, with their computer in front of them, you know, uh, we actually were in a, a kind of a, a dialogical setting. And, mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, it had its limitations, but I think that this, the sense was we were able to listen to one another a lot more and learn from one another and hopefully the Holy Spirit speaking through us. So was a new way of meeting. Wonderful. And and a lot of what you said, I think, really has bearing on our topic to explore today, which right. is fraternity and creating right. fraternity among clergy. And it sounds like right. you had a, a wonderful experience of that at the plenary session. So let's dive into this topic, which I think yeah. would be relevant for any bishop in any diocese. Uh, so I'm really uh, privileged and humbled that you agreed to have this brainstorm session with me. Uh, I'd like to just kind of lead us off with a thought here. Let, let's break the topic down into pre-ordination and post-ordination. Uh, what are we doing to, or what could we do, uh, right? We're exploring this together to help promote greater fraternity among clergy. So beginning with pre-ordination formation, in my mind at least, uh, the focus um, for the biggest contributor, I should say, to 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 creating uh, greater fraternity among clergy, 
when it comes to preordination formation would be the focus on human formation. Mm. Um, I think, for example, uh, human formation, you know, as the directories tell us, they're really, they're really helping. It's to help guys kind of understand themselves, understand uh, human relationships, that interpersonal dimension, uh, not just to be high functioning, but to be uh, compassionate and empathic and reasonable and, and, and in some senses, you know, politically savvy, even our Lord said, right, be uh, as gentle as doves and as wise as serpents. But Maybe we could start with that human formation and what would you say or what do we need to take a look at? What do we what's what what might seminaries need to take a look at to help sort of change or modify or augment that human formation that would result in greater participation and fraternity among clergy? Well, I think one of the biggest things that our faith contributes to this from day from 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 the get go is we ask ourselves, who fundamentally are we? Mm-hmm. We believe that we are made in the image and likeness of God. I mean, the Bible tells us that. Uh, and to some extent, we experience that, but we have to be reminded of it, that we are not created as, as islands. Mm-hmm. You know. And the culture may tell us that, that we make ourselves, and that uh, basically uh, you're on your own, and you've mm-hmm. got to decide who your identity is, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, we believe that uh, there was somebody who willed us into being and continues to will us into being before we even knew it ourselves, even discovered Mm -hmm. that we are alive, and that is God. And Mm -hmm. uh, God, our revelation of God is that God is fundamentally family. God is fundamentally Trinity. And uh, I see Trinities all over the place, but when you think (laughs) about it, none of us uh, came from nowhere, uh, even if we were made in a test tube, it would still require the cooperation of the coming together of two gametes that have to come from a male and a female, and that's mm-hmm. a third person that comes out of this dynamic. Now, that's all very theological, but it's very true. In mm-hmm. other words, we are fundamentally relational. We're meant to be in relationship. God is in relationship, and as images of God, we are in relationship. So uh, how do we, on a practical level, live that reality of our uh of our identity coming from our interrelationship that's that, how we start that's such a great starting point you know we are made for relationship uh, the mm-hmm. trinity is interpersonal and we are called to be interpersonal as well mm-hmm. i do you think that this that uh priestly life at, can attract someone who to doesn't necessarily want to be in relationship with anybody else other than god so that perhaps it's a skewed vision, obviously, of the, of the priesthood, but I'm wondering if, if candidates for priesthood adopt this kind of a vision that it's, it's more about me and God and what God wants for me, and, and I'm sort of serving these people, but I'm doing that really uh, out of my relationship with God, and it's very sort of me and God focused. Do you think that that's a, a tendency, a mentality among seminarians, or is it, is it a majority, a minority, or is it even a concern? I don't know uh, if I could speak for, uh, it, certainly it's a concern. I mean, there are people that have been drawn to religious life because they kind of want to get away from it all. Right. You know? And sometimes, I think unfairly, but sometimes we characterize monastic life as that way. It's funny, you know, if you spend some time in a monastic community, as I do when I go on retreat, it's far from being silent. I mean, you may be eating in silent, you know, you may be uh, uh, not talking loud in the hallways, but you're always very conscious that you're in a community. And uh, in, in many ways, I found out that by being meditative and quiet, mm-hmm. I was even more aware 
of the brothers around me. So uh, I guess what I what I like to say, the quick answer is it depends on how well you really know God, because mm-hmm. to know God is to know uh, someone who is is constantly in relationship. So mm-hmm. God is not isolated. I mean, uh, to, to be a little irreverent here, God wasn't even content to stay in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why did Jesus incarnate? You know, uh, there's all sorts of theologies that, you know, are based upon God's justice, you know, and that's certainly a, an element of truth in that. But there are some, I know some of the Franciscan theologians have believed that Jesus would have taken on human flesh even, or the second person of blessed Trinity, I should say, would have incarnated, even if we had not sinned, mm-hmm. that there's desire for God to be a part of, the, of God's creation, and that uh, to really be uh, in, in contact with God uh, is to be in touch with God's presence in all of created reality, and especially in the human person. Right. It goes back to your initial statement about we're made to be in relationship with others. And I think that uh, if you're called to be a deacon, if you're called to be a priest, then there should be something inside of you, and God put it there, that has a real concern for other people, like to really want to invest in their lives. Absolutely. You know, if you don't love your brother who you see, how can you love God who you don't see, as St. John you know, says in his uh, epistle. So uh, definitely. And how does how do we really uh, best find ourselves in relationship with others? And, you know, uh, heaven's often been described as a banquet. And uh, a banquet is a place where people are having a good time eating together. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you can't have a good time eating together, you're going to have a horrible time in heaven. You know, at least analog- at least uh, analogically, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I know one of the things we've tried to do with our uh, seminarians and pre-seminarians is put a lot of emphasis around the family table, even eating meals together. Uh, in our house of formation, uh, our you know our current uh, director of, of formation has put a big emphasis on uh, a family meal, at least one meal a day, and we're oh, I like that. Yeah, and and it's invite you know I join them uh, frequently, and we invite other priests to come in, and uh, uh, and, and not to leave out the cook. Uh, the uh, the cook happens to be a Jewish lady who used to work in nursing homes, and mm-hmm. she uh, is a big part of the community. They love her, and uh, you know they help her out in the kitchen, believe it or not. So there's a bit of a uh, a kind of a, a family uh, uh, kind of a, a parallel, you might say, you know. Uh, and I mean, I know when I was growing up, you know, although my mom was the one that primarily cooked the meals, we all sort of participated or we had to participate in setting the table and doing the dishes and, you know, even doing the shopping and sometimes helping with the cooking so that but it was focused around that family meal it was a big part of our life. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. Uh you know, seminaries have to really understand how culture is, is impacting young men who are discerning priesthood. Uh, we just have made it, I don't want to say we're done with COVID, but we got through the, the initial brunt of it. Uh, yeah. That was a very isolating for a lot of people. Um, another sort of 
cultural uh, dynamic is social media and artificially mediated relationships. Uh, there seems to be, though, uh, more of a, a tendency towards or a trend towards isolationism uh, in our culture and individualism. Uh, and I think, you know, how how if we're trying to create fraternity among clergy, how can seminaries help to uh, break young guys from that habit to want to. And, and, yeah. yeah, what you say, Matt, is really true because I have been in, in uh, family settings in which when dinner time comes around, you know, parents will say, well, what do you want for dinner? And, uh, you know, everybody will go out and sort of order individually online yeah. and have the food delivered. And rather than being really a family meal, you know, it's sort of like a, uh, uh, I, I don't know, sort of like a feeding trough, you know, but there's no conversation. It's uh, everybody eats, you know, but mm -hmm. like cows, uh, you know, grazing next to one another, uh, nobody's interacting with one another. You know, everybody's in front of a screen. We've all been at Thanksgiving meals, right? Where mm -hmm. you know, people sitting around the table and maybe say a prayer, but before you know it, uh, the screens are out and uh, there isn't any conversation going on. Uh, hopefully that's not that common, but we've all been there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think too, you know, whether it's marriage or priestly life or whatever, you don't always like the people you have to socialize with. And, and part of the part of human formation is <laughs> being able to negotiate that and, and do that with some aplomb and some tact. And, uh, one of the things I think about in terms of seminary formation is that this is my opinion, obviously, there seems to be a very limited time for seminarians to experience parish life, really cultivate relationships with people outside of the seminary, outside of their, their peers. Um, what do you think about that? Is that something we, that, need, we, that we need to take a look no, at? It's, it's, I agree with you. I agree with you very much on our mind. In fact, you know, we have had uh, at least one, uh, one part of the curriculum where usually before ordination, typically in the diaconate year, maybe before the seminarian would be at a parish, uh, but typically like during the summer when almost nobody's around or when people are not, you know, always the people that are usually there all year long or not. And uh, what we've been talking about is ways of integrating our seminarians into the parish families, but uh, throughout the year and maybe not even just, you know, one pastor mentor and one seminarian, but actually having parishes work together as families and, and helping in the formation of this uh, seminary and have to get them into families, to get to know families, to get to know how uh, parish life uh, works on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, that experience is is, uh, is definitely something we want them to uh, have. You know, you said something before about, um, at least it, it, something triggered in my mind. What does any of us know about what it is to be in relationships? And, and I remember when I was working at the tribunal, uh, I helped people who had marriages that didn't work out. And one of the first questions one of our uh, medical experts would ask, you know, we often had psych psychiatrists work with us, was what did you learn in marriage school? And, you know, it's a strange question, but people would say, what do you mean by that? Well, what did you learn about what it is to be married? Mm -hmm. And uh, where does any of us learn what family life is like, except in the environments in which we grew up? 
mm-hmm. and very, very much you you know you mentioned before about a lot of the dysfunctionality and the disconnectedness. Uh, one of the questions I think we need to ask our seminarians in formation, as we need to ask ourselves, is you know what was your upbringing like? What did you learn? How did your father treat your mother? Mm-hmm. Vice versa? Mm-hmm. How did you get along with each other? You know, mm-hmm. did, were you a family of screamers? If you were, you you know maybe you're going to take that into your priesthood. You know. And, <laughs> scream at people in order to get things done you know right right <laughs> but, <laughs> that that reminds me bishop of uh and maybe another question is to ask is which was asked famously by cain in genesis am i my brother's keeper and this mm-hmm. segues into our last talking point together here because um, we're talking about uh, creating more fraternity among the clergy um you know helping priests and deacons to to get along a little better not that there's problems all over the place but sometimes it can there can be friction as there can be between pastors and associate priests but but do, what do you think about in terms of pre-ordination formation do you think there needs to be more of a focus on uh, those uh, aspiring for priesthood to really spend time looking at um, the spirituality and the theology and the history of the diaconate uh, because my again this is my opinion uh, having been in seminary at one time, which feels like another life, but um, everything was, as it should be in some sense, viewed in terms of the priesthood. So everything is a journey towards that goal. Uh, And that includes the diaconate. And I often wonder if having that mentality kind of keeps seminarians from really embracing that order of deacon and understanding that order in of itself and that could then in turn cause some misunderstanding and even some conflict between the newly ordained priests or priests in general and and deacons permanent deacons what do you think about that we've had you know we had a very good experience last may uh in which uh we had a gathering it was a spiritual gathering a wellness day actually uh for deacons and priests mm-hmm. and uh we, we decided that a good place to start our dialogue was to focus on wellness you know what is it that in a priest and in deacon's life are are are, are healthy patterns you know and, and how to deal with the unhealthy ones so we came together but what was wonderful is that we had some sessions for deacons some for priests but we also had some sessions together mm. and we we you know we had sort of a, a, a dialogue and everybody said we got to do more of this bring mm-hmm. on a social level and you know maybe have some spiritual reflections too but bring uh, the priests and the deacons together we're even talking about in the process of formation and evaluation a little more cooperation among the boards that sort of uh, oversee the formation mm-hmm. of priests and deacons, some cross-fertilization there, you know. And uh, uh, I know that at the House of Formation, I know Father Tom, uh, you know, even encourages the seminarians to to text me, to email me, to to to, to talk, you know, to, to talk with one another. Uh, we just had a Christmas party uh, the day, two days after Christmas, and uh, we invited the seminarians to join the priests. So it was a uh, an opportunity for you know the clergy and the clergy in formation, at least uh, part of them, to to come together and to you know to get to know each other. So whatever we can do, 
I think the socialization is a very important part of the of the formation process. Absolutely. And we're going to take a deeper dive into that in our next chat, uh, where we're going to look at post-ordination formation. What, what can we do to help promote greater fraternity among the clergy in our dioceses? But this has been another episode of Chattachesis. Our guest today has been Bishop Scharfenberger. Bishop, you've been awesome as usual, and I'm excited about our second chat, and uh, I hope to chat with you oh, soon. Looking forward, Deacon Matt. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Christo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.